to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by the College Parent Survival Network presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Trip Johnson. Trip is a serial healthcare entrepreneur whose passion is building values-based, mission-driven companies that increase human flourishing. He's the co-founder and CEO of Green Hill Recovery, a transitional living program in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the founder of AIM, Advaita Integrated Medicine, an interdisciplinary psychiatric and primary care practice also located in Raleigh. Now, Tripp graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point with a BS in economics and a minor in systems engineering, where he was a four-year member of the varsity tennis team and a 2011 Patriot League champion. He commissioned into the infantry, graduated the U.S. Army Ranger School, Airborne School, and Air Assault School before leading a platoon in combat in southern Afghanistan. Tripp is an avid practitioner of yoga, meditation, and a plant-based diet. He's also mastered the art of skimming, so you probably can't have a conversation with him where he doesn't reference the latest 10 books that he's read. Jokes aside, let's just dive right in. Here's Trip. All right, well, Trip, we've literally rescheduled this like at least eight times, so I'm glad to finally have the opportunity to sit down, even though there was even a, a mini hiccup this morning with audio, but we are here and it's going to happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Oh, man. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners, where did you grow up and what were you hearing about post-secondary education in terms of expectations from your family, as well as the larger community in which you were raised? Um, So I grew up in Hickory, North Carolina, which is kind of a, I say small town, but it's not really a small town, 50,000 people probably now. Uh, And it is your, I would say, typical kind of North Carolinian town that was uh, dying industries, maybe textiles and furniture. Everyone I knew growing up, everyone that my, my parents both have graduate degrees, everyone I was around had graduate degrees. Uh, I didn't actually hear any expectations. Uh, no one put any expectations on me. I think there was just always an assumption that you went to college and more. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're saying everybody that you're around not just has an undergraduate degree, but a graduate degree. So whether or not it's said or unsaid, it's just kind of this known Mm -hmm. that you're going to go to school and most likely advance beyond that undergraduate or bachelor degree. Okay, so with that in mind, where did you go? And then how was the transition? Because I always love doing this. It's not necessarily about spotlighting, you know, like, where did you go? But it's more about just identifying, like, what was your path? But more importantly, as a young adult, what was the transition based on that path that you chose? Well, backing up to high school, I was, uh, until 15 or 16, I was a highly ranked nationally for tennis. And I always assumed, I actually assumed I might not go to college, that I might go play professional tennis or that I would go to college for tennis specifically. When I was around 15, I started drinking and and smoking a lot of pot, which kind of put my tennis career on a downward trajectory. Uh, And then because of all those expectations of others around me uh, implicitly that I had picked up on, I looked up prestigious schools with shitty tennis teams. And uh, I looked at the Ivies because I wanted to make people proud. 
and I realized I would be able to play tennis there, but they weren't going to recruit me really hard. And then I found out about the service academies. So West Point or Army, uh, Navy, the Air Force. And I realized that, hey, this is super prestigious, especially coming from a you know, southern town. And they have horrible tennis teams. They're going to recruit me really hard. So I did not try my hardest in high school, but I did pretty well uh, on the SATs. And I wanted to make everyone proud. So I found a prestigious school that really wanted me to attend for my uh, declining athletic ability. So I went to West Point. I'm, I'm over here just dying inside the, the logic that goes into this is like in hindsight, right? The logic that we like subscribe ourselves to in the reasoning or the decisions regarding post-secondary education, right? Like, oh, I'm going to pick this prestigious service oriented institution and because my athletic abilities are are on the decline they're still gonna love me so what better opportunity for me than this i am yes this is just like i'm eating this up entirely i hope you understand this is not like i'm not totally um trashing you based on your decision but i'm just so fascinated by you know how our 16 year old 17 year old developing brains totally justified the decisions that we make Mm -hmm. so did you go to west point did you play tennis what happened i did i went to uh west point it wasn't until i think i finished our basic training which is the summer before you start and then within the first two weeks of classes starting i was already making a reputation for myself as a bad kid and uh gotten a lot of gotten a lot of trouble up there barely graduated, played tennis all four years, actually really helped. I think um, the biggest thing I did for the tennis team was really recruit well. So our team got better and better every year. And we won our conference and got to play Stanford uh, my senior year, which was certainly a highlight in the first round of the NCAA tournament, got waxed. But it was really fun. That's uh, where I had initially wanted to go to school, but they were never going to have me. Um, So... Barely graduated by the skin of my teeth and commissioned into the infantry as a second lieutenant. Wow. Okay, so let's back up really quick. You said within the first two weeks after basic training, you're already like establishing a, a, that like quote unquote bad student reputation. Can you just like if you're if you feel comfortable, share a little bit about how the heck do you go about doing that so quickly into your collegiate career? So West Point is not known for having a lot of freedom. I really went there because I thought that it would help me provide and channel all of my energy into a productive way. So I did go because they were going to let me in and it was prestigious. But I was also really excited because I felt like I had closed the chapter on my real tennis career and that I wanted something to really pour my energy, pour my passion into. I love leadership. This, it, there were a lot of good reasons to go. Uh, besides just trying to make other people proud. But when I got there, I realized that that was really going to be on me. I didn't realize this until much later, but I, in hindsight, realized that I wasn't going to change unless I wanted to change. And at this point, I was kind of had this work hard, play hard mentality. I had been a class clown type figure, uh, very provocative in general. And that just carried over. I thought I was uh, too cool for school. The rules didn't necessarily apply to me. 
and that's not the, the general culture when you're a plebe or a freshman at West Point. And so I was breaking rules. I thought things that were dumb, I just wouldn't listen to. And uh, maybe that's because I'm an only child, but my parents did a good job raising me. So I don't know. <laughs> Shout out to, to Mr. and Mrs. Johnson on raising you. Okay, so I think it's also important to note too, you said you, you barely graduated by the skin of your teeth but then you actually ended up becoming an officer in yeah. the infantry. So you're, you're talking about kind of trudging through um, four years graduating and then you're in the service. So tell us a little bit about that transition, because again, we're still talking about you being very much a young adult. What, you're 21 like 22, at this yeah. time? 22. Yeah. Like still extremely young in the grand scheme of things or kind of like in, if we want to compartmentalize or, or create separate chapters in our young adult mm -hmm. kind of emerging experience. So now that you're out of West Point, you're in the infantry, what, what does that look like? So I think I did the exact same pattern as I did going to West Point was, okay, now it's real. Now I have something to pour my energy into. I'm going to be a great leader. Uh, this is all I need. And it didn't take long for that to change, right? All of a sudden, the, the familiar pattern of being the bad kid, being the one who pushes the boundaries just came up once again. And I was known for being the hard partier. I was also super into being like physically fit and being, I've always liked being right. I'm a bit of a narcissist. Uh, and so I, I, really embraced this work hard, play hard mentality and thought I was justified in doing what I wanted because I did good things too. Ugh, that's a hard adjustment for a 22 year old. So you're listening to the Success is Subjective podcast, and I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. As a reminder, if you've missed any past episodes, you can catch them on Apple Podcasts. My guest today is Trip Johnson. How long were you in like how long were you in the military? Like t tell us mm -hmm. just a little bit more kind yeah, of about yeah. that experience too, because I imagine at some point as well, maybe that bubble bursts, right? Right. Yep. This like the justification, the narcissism, the like just the the approach in which you are operating. So go back to it. Tell tell us about that that bubble bursting for you. So for me, just to back up a little bit, graduated, went down to Georgia to Fort Benning for my uh, officer basic training and an infantry officer course. Uh, graduated from that, went to ranger school, graduated from ranger school. Uh, also, still following rules was difficult, even in ranger school, but that's another story. Uh, went to Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, uh, became a platoon leader, and then took a platoon into combat in Afghanistan. I learned a lot. I honestly, Afghanistan was a very disenchanting experience for me. I thought we were there to do something else. I thought we were the good guys. I realized the world was a lot more complex and um, it was a difficult experience for me that I had poured, you know, really the last six years leading up to that from uh, my undergraduate to the training that I went through thinking that I was like fighting the good fight. And then that really kind of came crashing down on me and I've always been prone to existential crisis, but this was like a new level of it and got back to, uh, got back to the States safely. Uh, my whole platoon, uh, company came back well. So 
we had a relatively good deployment overall. And uh, what I skipped in kind of my upbringing is basically I got arrested once a year every summer for something drinking related. And uh, this happened when I was still in the army. This happened, you know, I had good defense attorneys either in the family, whatnot. So they helped get that swept under the rug for the most part. And it wasn't until I was back and I was really pondering, what am I going to do next? It's clearly not going to be the army. I thought I was going to try and go to special forces, the uh, Q course, go into that. I was like, I'm done with the army. I was sitting in Santa Monica and called my dad and basically said, something's got to give. I don't know what it is, but I'm not any closer to being the man I want to be. But, you know, like, what should I do? And he sent me a quick link to an Alan Watts video that was incredible sent me The Untethered Soul, which is one of my most, definitely the book I've read the most number of times and probably gifted as well. And he said, I know this is going to sound crazy to uh, vodka chugging, Copenhagen dipping, uh, army ranger who is a meathead, basically embraced this meathead mentality. But I think you should try this type of yoga and I think you should start meditating. And I said, you know what? Fine, I'll try it. And in some ways, the rest is history, but that changed the trajectory of my life in a number of ways. Yeah, because it's, I mean, this is, that seed planted, you watered, and that is a, a big staple in your life now, well, only because I'm familiar kind of with what it is that you're doing. So with those changes, why don't you talk about kind of what, what that next chapter looked like? Because I'd love to actually lead the listeners up to the work that you're doing now, which we need to highlight is vastly, vastly different than being an officer, you know, and like you said, vodka chugging, Copenhagen, like I, I can't even, you know, you're, you're doing dip, you've got the meathead mentality. That is when I think of Johnson, that is the opposite of what I think of. Maybe a little narcissistic, just like a, a dip every once in a while, but it's only because you're a serial entrepreneur and super motivated. And I question whether or not you actually get sleep, but that's beside the point. So I'd love, just, just tell us a little bit, you know, what happened? That's the shift. Now you've embraced it. What happened next? Well, I became fully enlightened and everything was easy after that. No. Um, so what happened was I actually just repeated a, <laughs> a familiar pattern. I went back. How? Did, what did I do when I went to college? I looked around and said, how do I make people proud? What am I supposed to do? Now I did it from an even more self-righteous stance because I'm a big meditator, vegan guy. And uh, I said, basically, again, it was back to my upbringing. People went to law school or business school. There wasn't much variation there. And so I said, I, I don't really want to go to business school. I really did learn and I continue to learn a lot from my meditation practices and my, my spiritual practices, I guess. That's a word I don't love, but it's accurate. And so I felt like meditation had really helped me understand how I'm connected to everything else, understand my mind, its relationship to, to my life and my experience and I decided to go to law school because I really wanted to understand the way that society was structured. I felt like I had found something that gave me the internal structure and understanding. And then I wanted to understand what, um, how society was structured so that I could make a difference. And I did go into the Army to make a difference. Um, and in law school, that was kind of my, I was like, this is going to be a more noble profession, I guess. Uh, but 
ultimately it was probably just to meet other people's expectations and to figure out what it was I wanted to do. Like I knew going into law school, I didn't want to be a litigator. I didn't want to do contract law. Like I didn't necessarily want to be a lawyer. I just needed some time to figure it out. And so uh, I didn't graduate law school because I, I guess I figured it out. I dropped out. <laughs> I love it. And once you dropped out, what was the decision next, right? What was the reasoning to drop out? Because I think the other thing that I'm hearing a lot, just right, here's the themes we're picking out and, and you're highlighting them. All along, a lot of these decisions that you've made have been kind of externally motivated in the sense of how can, how does this look good? How is it going to make somebody else proud? It fits into the box of some of these well-known or prestigious paths, which are acceptable from a societal standpoint. And that also is kind of geographic, especially related to the South being raised in, in Virginia. I get that too, right? It's like you basically have four career paths. And if you don't go in one of those, it's like, well, what the hell are you doing? Um, but beside the point, there's there's often these existential moments for you. You have these like aha light bulbs going off, but often it's followed or preceded by kind of this disenchanted experience, right? You being in Afghanistan, realizing why you're there is actually not what you thought. Going to law school, same thing. So what did you do next? So I was in law school and I actually uh, helped start, I co-founded Green Hill Recovery. And at that point, I mean, there that's like a 10 podcast episode series to just go through that. But basically I started, I helped start Green Hill and I was at a crossroads. I was at, at this point, I was technically the chief operating officer, which was ridiculous because we had like four people that were on our team at that point. But I was the COO of a four person company, uh, also the overnight staff half the time. And I was going to law school where I had packed in eight hours of classes. So I only had to go two days a week. So I did a semester like that and said, I can't do both. I've got to pick. And I'm just going to go all in on Green Hill. And it felt really right that I um, really wanted to help work with guys who were going through a lot of the same you know, struggles that I went through. And again, the existential bent was like what my life has always been really good. I mean, honestly, I come from, you know, a lot of privilege. I had this incredible upbringing with like unconditional love and support. And so I can't imagine what it would be like to navigate life without that. Like I have this like weird protective armor on me and like a confidence that was given to me basically. And, it, and so, um, you know, I've just wanted to make a difference. And I was like this, you know, I easily could have been kicked out of the army. I should have been kicked out of the army. I should have been kicked out of West Point. I barely got through all these things. And it's only because I had all this support. It's not because of anything I did. It's just, you know, so I need to now be of service to others. And this seemed like something I could go go all in on on the service aspect and also the leadership and the, you know, figuring things out, you know, the intellectual side of it as well. Well, and now Green Hill is in its like second iteration as you are also like totally in by iteration. I'm specifically referencing the expansion and the changes in leadership, mm -hmm. um, but also kind of the vision overall that you have created. And so a little sidebar, if you want to hear about Jake Summers, episode 92, a uh, similar story, but also one of kind of your uh 
he, he's technically what the CFO of uh, Green Hill now. Yeah, something or, like that. So, something like that. He he wears one of the hats. But you two are um, very entertaining for me to to be in communication with, but also lean on in regards to this entrepreneurship and leadership in the work that we're doing, specifically in helping young adults. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you this. Point blank, because I ask everybody this. Do you see yourself as successful? I think I'm in a very good position. I think I I don't see myself as successful because I feel like I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants in general, whether that's my family or my support system. I think I am doing just enough to uh, live, not just live up to external expectations, but I don't want to see myself as successful yet either. I think that's a really important distinction, getting comfortable with growth and knowing that everything is okay. And I am, I also know, like I'm kind of by most metrics, like I am successful and I can, I can hold that, but I can also say that like, because of my, you know, natural starting point privilege in life, I've got a lot to do to make my contribution to the world. So I like having a chip on my shoulder. And that's why you probably don't think I sleep very much. <laughs> I'm going to stand by that because I really do question sometimes. I'm like, do, do you sleep, Trip? I just don't know. <laughs> oh, I love I love our friendship and banter. So and maybe it's one sided at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> So with that in mind, too, and the work that you're doing, I, I think it's actually really important. Let's let's pause for a second. And I want you to just give the shameless plug of like, really, what is Green Hill and who is it specifically that you're serving? But then transition from there into giving a piece of advice to a young person who is struggling. Maybe, you know, trip circa 17, making decisions on, you know, these these unsaid or assumed expectations around like what it is that you're supposed to be doing into adulthood um, or, or just generically speaking, what advice would you give to a young person right now? So first addressing the shameless plug, Green Hill is a transitional living program in Raleigh, North Carolina. We started because we wanted to focus on college reintegration uh, and that has evolved. We work with a lot of guys who are also finishing high school or maybe taking a break from college, which I think is super important um, in the work that both of us are doing to you know, acknowledge and say that that's great in a lot of cases. So we work with young adults that are struggling with substance use and other co-occurring mental health disorders. And it's been you know, just a labor of love. Uh, I love the transitional living space. A lot of what I do now is also focused on building community resources and kind of bridging the gap between what where insurance uh, picks up treatment versus what we have to pay for out of pocket. So I'm really passionate about making high quality care more accessible and working within the constraints of insurance, which is a whole nother podcast. Um, and as far as like advice I would give, I've dealt with existential dread my whole life. I want to make sure that I am uh, doing what I should while I'm on this rock spinning around in space. And It's not necessarily the advice that other people would give, and I hesitate sometimes when I think about it, but, you know, be really good at something. 
whatever it is, like, I think be really good and just learn, you know, embrace curiosity and work hard at whatever you're interested in, because the practice of, you know, becoming an expert or becoming, uh, you know, world-class is, it's just a process and you can replicate it in a number of different kind of fields and arenas. So I do believe that there's this follow your passion and have a backup plan too. So I think it's really important to encourage people to follow their passion, but not to just be blinded by uh, this is exactly what I'm, you know, I'm meant to do forever. Because for me personally, that's changed a number of times. Like I can't predict what I'm going to want to do in two years. So yes, like absolutely passion, but hedge that with some reality, I would say. Love it. So because people are going to be, they're going to listen to this, they're going to be really interested in, in learning more about the work that you're doing beyond Green Hill. And like you said, some of these, like the, the insurance gap and what that looks like for affordable healthcare, specifically in North Carolina, because I think you are taking that by storm. So how can people connect with, with you? Yes. So I would say there are a few ways I have a podcast. It's called The Business of Human Flourishing. And you can also send me an email at uh, trip at aimwellbeing.com, tjohnson at greenhillrecovery.com, or trip at advedaventures.com. So I'm checking a lot of emails. Uh, connect with me on Facebook. If you, you know, Google any of, these, um, any of these organizations, you'll find us and please reach out. And we'll make sure I'm like over here giggling too. Um, we'll make sure that all of the links to every single thing that you just listed is also in the show notes beyond just your email address. So folks can, can actually do some more digging into exactly the work that it is that you're doing. And most importantly, listen to your podcast because it's also extremely entertaining and extremely informative. So I, lo I love the work that you're doing. I so appreciate you. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your personal emerging adult journey on the Success is Subjective podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, Joanna. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world. You can follow me, Joanna, on Instagram at Lily Consulting and on Facebook at Lily Consulting LLC. Most importantly, though, check out the resources link on my website at lilyconsulting.com. And that's L-I-L-L-E-Y consulting.com. Or you can just search on Google for Lily Consulting. You can also download and subscribe to listen to the Success is Subjective interviews on any popular podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.